Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Ron Jorlock, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I'm excited for today's conversation because I'm joined by Mason King to discuss his new book, A Short Guide to Spiritual Disciplines, How to Become a Healthy Christian. Mason King serves as a pastor at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, and he also serves as the executive director of the Village Church Institute Groups and Leadership Development. He's currently completing a Ph.D. in church history from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he holds a D.Min. in uh, executive leadership from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Seems like you're playing a little bit of bingo here, uh, Mason. <laughs> uh, anytime you want to come to Southeastern, there, the door is always open. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you, brother, for, uh, for joining uh, in and uh, taking time to have a conversation. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's jump right in. Uh, First question, uh, why don't you uh, begin by telling our listeners a little bit about the book? So so how did it come to fruition? Uh, what do you hope to accomplish through it? Uh, what, what what prompted it? Why don't you talk, uh, talk to us a little bit about the book? Oh, thank you. Uh, it's titled A Short Guide or A Short Guide to Spiritual Disciplines, How to Become a Healthy Christian, in really in an effort to serve as a discussion point for people who are wondering, hey, who does God want me to be? And how do I how do I think about partnering with the Holy Spirit and what and how this how this process of change uh, works? And so I spend about a, a first third of the book just talking about why disciplines are important, why they're difficult, and why in this our contemporary moment it's necessary for us to really push in on being intentional about how we live. Then I spend the rest of the book talking about three areas of life to offer to God: our attention, our emotions, and our limits which are three, three areas where I just want to start conversation to say, hey, how are you doing and offering these things to God? So it's less prescriptive. It's more of an invitation to learn how to walk in wisdom around what it is to have a whole life offered to God. Hmm, that's really good and sounds really helpful. Now, now you have in your title uh, a short guide to spiritual disciplines. And I want to think about that word there, disciplines, because I think one of the connotations of that word uh, and and rightfully so, is it's hard. <laughs> Discipline mm-hmm. is hard work, and and certainly there are plenty of people who uh, uh, who are listening to our podcast. Uh, certainly, brothers and sisters, fellow church members, uh, who want to be uh, growing and maturing disciple uh, disciples of Jesus. You know, they, they 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 see that as a goal. Nobody's saying, well, you know, I was really hoping I can kind of you know coast um, sure. <laughs> and just and just kind of you know maybe you know waltz my way into uh, into a deep or, uh, walk with the Lord, but it's hard. It's it's hard work. Why why is it so hard? And and what are some ways that we can that we can overcome the obstacles? Actually, what even add, add to the question? What what are some of those obstacles that make it so hard? And how do we overcome them? Yeah, I uh, I think I I I'm a Edwards guy, and so I'm also I'm also just kind of a affection driven person. So I think mm-hmm. you're going to go towards what you love. And when I think about disciplines, I know people who are very disciplined in their life. 
-hmm. They're disciplined with their finances. They're disciplined with their health and what they eat and with their exercise. And when it comes to being disciplined in their spiritual life with God, they have a disconnect. And so they can go to CrossFit. They can join Peloton. They can uh, stick to whatever fad diet there is. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to reading the Bible or praying or living as a Christian in God's world, it seems like discipline breaks down there because people want to pit the head and the heart against each other. Mm. And they think, gosh, it should just be easy because this is about a relationship. And the older I get, the more I realize that every relationship is about continued endurance and perseverance of caring for the other and being present. And so the invitation for disciplines is to think rightly about God, to think rightly about how God thinks about us and then to see ourselves rightly and to know we're in his world. Hmm. So a lot of the issues that I will walk through with people kind of weekly in our institute programs here are uh, wrong perceptions about who God is and what he thinks of them, and then a misunderstanding of who they are in Christ. Hmm. And so working through those issues, those obstacles to really receiving God's love as he loves us, Uh, helps us to then go, okay, so disciplines are really ways for me to make presence for God in my daily life, to be attentive to him. And grace is not opposed to that. Like it's actually invited to become a certain type of person and commanded to by the scriptures to have my mind renewed and transformed as I put off old parts of me. Hmm. So those those are types of obstacles and why things are difficult. If you want to talk culturally as to why things are difficult, our entire culture, our contemporary culture right now is built on removing friction from daily life. Mm -hmm. So if I can order whatever I want off of my phone and have it shipped to my house by 2 p.m. this afternoon, it's harder for me to think about the long-term vision of change for my life that's decades long. Mm. And to really, because I, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you start measuring yourself, you weigh yourself every three days and kind of wonder how you're doing. And after six days, you're frustrated. When if you gave yourself to the process and looked six months later, you'd be really astonished at the change you see. Mm. And so my hope for the book and to encourage people is to say, hey, um, change in Christ is lifelong. Mm -hmm. And so we should set a long horizon of faithfulness and give ourselves to these disciplines that will help us. I use the image of an oak tree. There's a tree on the cover of the book. Um, I used a sermon from Edwards talking about Psalm 1 of being a tree planted by the river of God's love. And really, like I, I say that uh, we want to be oaks, but oaks take time. Mm. And too many of us just don't have the vision for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, culturally, kind of working with what you were saying, uh, we have this uh, almost, a, almost to a point of virtue uh, in our culture. Uh, the idea of instant gratification. That's right. And however, you know, the closer we can get to instant, the better. So, uh, you know, I could cook a meal and and it's great and I can cook it from scratch and all of that. Or I can just, you know, th- toss a hot pocket into the microwave and, yeah. uh, you know, or drive down the street to uh, McDonald's or, or or Burger King or something like that. And, and, I've, and I've got everything right there, you know, or go to a restaurant and, and you know, the food is, is already made. And, and, and so there's this almost, to the, like I said, almost to a point of virtue, you know, we expect mm-hmm. that things are going to be 
instant, you know, even in relationships, people talk about love at first sight, you know, right. uh, when we look at that as almost an ideal, uh, we're not supposed to gradually like people or, <laughs> you know, it's, if I don't like you, you know, after the first date, then you're not the one, you know, and I mean, just all of these different things, uh, different ways that we see that in, uh, uh, in our society. And yet the scriptures are so countercultural on that. Uh, mm-hmm. And in fact, and, and to your point with Oaks, um, Life is is countercultural to that. Uh, it, you know, the the best things tend to take time. You know, the yeah. the especially when we're talking about growth. You know, uh, uh, you know, the growth of a human takes nine months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the 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 growth of of a tree. You know, takes several years. You know, and 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 just all of these different things. Even as you know, with uh, with your uh, academic career, you know, I I don't. I don't get a degree after the first day of class. <laughs> you know, it takes it takes time to develop, and it takes time to learn. And I've got to uh, uh, I've got to go through the process of, of of schooling in order to earn that you know that that degree. And so, yeah, uh, and certainly that's the way it is with the Christian life. Um, you know, the uh, I think a lot of our frustrations and a lot of the difficulties really come from uh, for for a lot of things impatience. Um, you know, we, you know, the Lord is thinking long term and we're thinking instant <laughs> and, uh, and, and he and works against that all the time. And that's hard because, uh, you know, these glowing rectangles that we've all welcomed into our lives and our pockets mm-hmm. work on, uh, short circuits of dopamine yeah. and attention grabbing. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about attention, emotions and limits, like I say that attention is the most precious commodity you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most precious, and it's worth billions of dollars to people every day mm. just to get you to try and buy things. Mm-hmm. And so in thinking through that, of like, yeah, your attention is priceless, but we give it away like nothing because we think, oh, yeah, instant, instant fun, instant reward, mm-hmm. instant comfort, instant distraction. Like we, we don't have to handle the weight of reality we're tempted and we're really given the opportunity not to, which makes discipline all the more difficult to opt into uh, friction, mm-hmm. to opt into the difficulty that something might be produced. Um, but I mean, produces perseverance, character, steadfastness, and it produces actual virtue. Yeah. And uh, I tell my kids, we have these things that we say on the way to school each morning, but one of them is like, I can do hard things hmm. because Anything worth doing takes time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what does a discipleship-driven relationship look like? Um, you know, what, what, what does that look like, say, personally? What does that look like in the context of a local church? Uh, the way that I've set the book up, or like uh, in thinking through the whole person, I've been trying to have the conversation of, hey, it is not just about the information that you bring into yourself. It is not just about uh, making sure that you can answer Bible trivia, that you have dotted the I's and crossed the T's. Mm -hmm. It is about realizing who you are built in the Imago Dei of having the depth of, gosh, we all have a uh, prescribed limits to our being by our creator. Like there are just certain things we can't do. There are certain things that we can do and we do too much of. Mm. And so in thinking through Hey, how do you, how do you handle being a creature 
Well, if you have disciplines around embracing being a creature, it means that you probably sleep more than you do right now, mm -hmm. drink less caffeine. And if you're a uh, achievement driven individual like myself, you realize it takes more grace to do less. Mm. And I had a mentor say that years ago of like, for some people, it takes more grace to do less. Mm. And so realizing, yeah, there are things that I want to do that I should not do because they'll push me past my limits and actually tax my ability to be a faithful disciple and be present and be loving and be attuned to what the spirit is doing to the people in front of me. Uh, when I think about my emotions, uh, I, uh, I didn't realize, and I guess this is just what part, what midlife is, is to realize that so much of discipleship to Christ is recognizing and regulating what's going on inside of you with your emotions mm -hmm. and then submitting them by the power of the Holy spirit to God. And so having a, a emotional fluency and awareness to not be driven by them. Uh, it's been said many times, but I tell my kids like your feelings are real, but they're not reliable. Mm. They shift. And so I'm trying to train my children of as a disciple, you're bringing your whole self into life with God. Uh, he wants your attention. He wants your emotions and who you are, the good and the bad. And he wants uh, you to embrace his good design. So the definition we use here uh, at the church is that a disciple is a follower, or a Christian disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who continually submits all of life to God's good design, mm -hmm. right? Identity, belonging, and purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's that continual submission that I think is when you say discipleship relationship, I'm thinking you're continually submitting the whole person mm -hmm. to God and yeah. walking as he forms and re kind of uh, renews and transforms who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so what does that look like corporately then? Uh, how do we how do we do that together as a as a local church? I think you could look at what you offer programmatically. You mm -hmm. could look at what you're preaching through from the pulpit and how you're incorporating things. I've begun the last few years in my preaching to try and help people think uh, holistically about themselves. Mm -hmm. So the examples I use, uh, I'll use poetry, art, um, music. I will actually engage them physically. Uh, I'll direct them to take some deep breaths, to kind of think about their posture if I get to a tense point within the sermon, I'll really try to engage attention and uh, help them understand where they might be tempted to opt out mm -hmm. and to be distracted. Mm -hmm. So in, in preaching, there's a there's a, a lot of things you can do to be able to engage the whole person. And it's less to prize the, the intellectual transfer of information, but it's to really depend upon the Holy Spirit for change, to think about the whole person in front of you and the room, and to... Be okay being in that moment and not just about performing your sermon or preaching your sermon. So thinking about who's in the room and saying, hey, like this is our community. Let's talk about what's happening here and think of each other here. Hmm. And, you know, I think the advent of live streams or podcasts or sermons being posted kind of pushes towards a polished nature to a sermon mm. and can rob sometimes of the congregation specific shepherding. Mm. And so that's, that's a, I mean, there's good and bad there. There's light and shadow. So something I think there from the pulpit to consider. Also, I think as you encourage your people, 
uh, a really influential work in my life in the last decade was Kurt Thompson's Soul of Shame. Hmm. And in his work towards the end of the book, he has a chapter on the church as a community to give and receive grace. And so as you're thinking corporately, what is it for you to encourage people that they need to be known, but the church is the one who often mishandles it, but should aim to receive like Christ does Mm -hmm. and therefore disarm shame and encourage people towards life. Mm -hmm. That's a good word. That's a, that's a really good word. So there's some terms that you've uh, already used in our conversation that that you develop a lot more in your in your book. Um, uh, those terms are attention, emotions, and limits. Uh, attention, emotions, and and limits. And your your book is kind of unique in that uh, you you really emphasize those those three elements of of the human person, uh, and and you know how they are each essential to. Uh, the 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 growing and the development of, of of a healthy Christian. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, I uh, you know I've spent a lot of time over the last few decades reading in the spiritual formation categories and thinking through different works that are there. And uh, as I've thought about how I shepherd here, uh, I, I oversee a yearly discipleship program, year long discipleship program that's kind of um, systematic, biblical, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, historical theology kind of all wrapped into one. Mm-hmm. And as we're working with our people in the, in the uh, dimension of uh, Christian formation, like how do, you, how do you apply the scriptures and doctrine to life? I've begun to think through these categories. And these are conversations that we've had of, hey, I have a really hard time um, devoting attention to God. I feel like my attention is being fragmented. I want to give my attention to these other things. Mm-hmm. And are it, hey, I... I feel shame for feeling these hard emotions and I just try to hide them because I don't know if God can handle them or other people can. And I'm not sure what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And so I've watched people try and figure out what to do with them, which often can be self-destructive mm-hmm. and, or it's a limiting belief where it's, I don't understand who God is for me because I'm interpreting God based on my emotional interactions with relationships in my life. And so therefore I need to see God rightly, not impose uh, my relational filters on him doing theology from below. Mm -hmm. And then with limits, I'm going to talk in the book about how in my, uh, I did a couple years of a PhD program, had to withdraw for some stuff we had going on at work and then re-entered later for those first few years with my kids really young. I mean, I would put the kids down and then go drink coffee and stay up until 4 a.m. to read so I could go to seminar at 8. And I did that for a a couple of years Mm. and realized that I was trying to be everything to everyone. I didn't want to rob my kids. I didn't want to rob my wife. I wanted to be good at school, and I was working full-time as a pastor. Mm. And the burnout that came from that in my soul and physically in my body, uh, I I had a mentor that was like, hey, uh, again, it takes more grace to do less, mm-hmm. and you can overfunction as much as you want. But it, like, you might just actually be doing God's will if you do less and do it right. And when I think about limits, our our cultural narrative right now is bent on removing the limits of being a creature, mm-hmm. and so you can be mm-hmm. as much near Creator by optimizing your wellness, by thinking about your financial stability, by life hacking everything. Yeah. But God's good design for your life and embracing the identity that you have as a creature 
means that the promises of postmodernity in our cultural moment that say you can define truth are actually poisonous. Hmm. And if we live in God's good design, we find a greater flourishing. So attention, emotions, and limits. Uh, speaking, I think, to the historical trends that I've seen, to contemporary conversations that I've been having, but also looking for challenges ahead as, as these parts of our culture continue to uh, grow and become obstacles to loving as God would have us. Yeah, yeah. Do, do they correspond uh, to kind of the classic uh, categories of mind, will, and emotions? I think they're fairly close. I don't know if they're just new, like uh, old terms and new clothes. Okay. But I would wonder if you're thinking will, uh, mind, will, and emotions, attention and mind. Um, I would put will and mind with attention. Mm-hmm. Emotions is good. Limits, I think, would be the outlier here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I was thinking as I was uh, working through those categories, I was like, you know, this actually is kind of a, a contemporary uh, you know, thing, you know, or kind of application or, or maybe development of, of those categories. So when you say your mind, um, mm-hmm. what is, what is the biggest battle of the mind right now? It's attention. Um, yeah. you know, we, we are just so overrun and distracted, just as you were saying, you know, that, that, uh, you know, att- attention is the commodity, uh, in, in our society right now. And, and whoever has it, <laughs> it wins basically, right. uh, and and so yeah, I was thinking about that, and even with limitations, I know at least my tendency, and I I think we we are in the same boat, you know, just in terms of whatever it takes to do everything, we do it. <laughs> right. Um, right. And and I I know that for me that is a, a an issue of the will, uh, mm-hmm. because I want to do everything, you know, I want to be all things to all people, and. And and a lot of times it's it's you know just blowing right by uh, those categories of creature uh, and 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 creatureliness and so on and so in a lot of ways that's been a part of my own personal uh, walk is is just me praying and asking the Lord to remind me uh, that He is the Creator and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Good. So I yeah. I also think with like when you think about those classical categories having mentioned thinking about through the lenses of affection, like I think the will is so driven by what we love and want. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when you think about attention, emotions and limits, um, yeah, there's limits placed on us. And there's limits that we withdraw from or avoid uh, towards what we actually want. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why it's been the first, well, no, it's why it's been the first third of the book trying to talk about, yeah, you're going to go towards what you love. Mm-hmm. And the whole pull, the whole invitation is, root yourself in God's love and let your life grow there yeah. uh, because your will will be affected mm-hmm. and you'll begin to see your, your desires change, which yeah. will then uh, kind of push into these three categories. Yeah. 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 I remember when, when my kids were younger, uh, we'd have this conversation about, uh, about boundaries and, and just understanding limits, understanding limitations and, and understanding the goodness of those things. And so we yeah, would, right. we would talk about a playground and we would say, okay, you've got this fence that's around the playground. And we would say, you know, uh, I would ask them, you know, why, why do you have the fence? You know, what's the purpose of the fence? And they would say, you know, the purpose of the fence was to keep the kids safe. 
I said, well, if you uh, if you have a, a child, you know, because there's always one uh, that that sees that fence as a challenge, <laughs> sure, and and they start going towards it, climbing the fence, you know, and all of this, and you have you know the teacher or whatever say, get down from the fence, you know, maybe even have to physically pick them up and pull them off of the off of the fence. One of the things that they're missing out on is the playground. Yeah. <laughs> there is a playground inside the fence, and and so the you know, the fence is is meant to keep anything from outside from coming inside to mess up the fun, <laughs> to mess up mm-hmm. the goodness of mm-hmm. the playground. Uh, so you can enjoy the playground, and you can enjoy it safely, and you can enjoy it freely, and you can go on the slides, you can go on the jungle gym, you can do all of these different things. Uh, but it, we have a tendency to see the limitations as threatening the joy instead of seeing those limitations as protecting the joy. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that, uh, especially in the Christian life, that we have to recognize. God, God puts those limitations uh, in our lives. He puts those limitations in us, you know, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does so not to threaten our joy, but to protect it. Yeah, I, I spend a chunk of time trying to walk through the effects of the Enlightenment on that. Mm-hmm. And to do it in a way that uh, is relatable and understandable. So there's probably two or three pages where I just try and roll down uh, the last 500 years where I think we've just wanted to destroy the fence altogether. Mm-hmm. And to think, yeah, the playground's fine, but it's old hat. Yeah. And what's really good is what we can make outside of the fence. Mm-hmm. And so trying to help people understand that uh, the the water we're born into is downstream of things centuries old that have influenced us. And so many of us don't realize that it's uh, old things in new clothes or how impacted we are by the water that we were raised in and Mm -hmm. formed by before we realized what it was. And much of that is what you're talking about. Of I want to look outside the fence and there's this inherent distrust and skepticism and cynicism Mm -hmm. around God's goodness towards us. Uh, which I think is as old as the garden, Absolutely. but also the last 500 years have kind of uh, shifted into a different year, mm-hmm. if you will, philosophically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So let's let's uh, shift gears a little okay. bit, and uh, let's let's talk about uh, really the mentality of of spiritual disciplines. So you know, for a lot of folks. Uh, we think about the fence, you know, we think about the, the, the playground and so on. But for many people, spiritual disciplines just, it, it, it doesn't feel like a playground. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. feel like joy, you know, that's being, that's being safeguarded and protected here. It's, it seems like it's, a, it's another checklist, right? It's mm-hmm. just another list of things that I'm supposed to do in order to be a good, a good Christian boy, good Christian girl, you know, and, and, and so on. And, um, you know, did, did I, did I pray this morning? Good. Check. You know, I, I got that off my list. You know, did I read my Bible? Right. Check, you know, and, and so on. Um, why do we find ourselves thinking this way and, and how do we get out of that? Yeah. Uh, I, I can speak from my experience and with people I've talked with, so much of it is guilt or shame-driven hmm. of how we perceive God to, to look at us in those moments. And so if you reduce walking with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to a checklist, you're operating in perfectionism. Hmm. Like you're operating in a quid pro quo uh, transactional relationship 
of, okay, you saved me. Now I owe you these things so that I can be good for you. So I'm going to do these things and not do these things. And the invitation is come into, come into life, Hmm. like come into joy and know a love like you've never known. Hmm. Like Christ is not shaming people. He's saying, I'm giving myself for you so that you could have what's best. Hmm. And so the conversations around, yeah, man, gosh, discipline sounds like drudgery. Okay, well, I think you have the the wrong view of who God is mm-hmm. toward you. And I've talked about this, and I say it in the book. Like I, for the longest time, uh, I felt like, yeah, God's gonna God's gonna figure out who I am at some point. And he's gonna want a refund, or mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna be like, oh gosh, I didn't realize Mason was that much of a train wreck. So I'm out. Like you're gonna out sin grace. And so I thought, yeah, I'm in the house, but I'm just like I I've come in his house, but I'm gonna hang out next to the coat rack. Because I don't have the confidence of these other guys that are just running around. I think at some point, if I'm not doing enough of the right things, I'm, he's going to find out I don't belong here. Mm. And that would keep me just hustling for grace. And gosh, it's just a wrong view of who God is. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of us struggle and define Christianity as a checklist. One, because we have been influenced by pragmatism and efficiency. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, do these things because it's the shortest route from a to B and these will give you good rewards in the short run. Instead of having this long view of, man, I'm a human who's been greatly impacted by sin. Mm -hmm. And so for me to unlearn things is going to take a long time Mm -hmm. and I need to have grace with myself. But the good news is that God has given me grace, more grace than I could ever need. And he's cared for me in that. And he's not surprised that it's going to take decades for me to change. And so if I will just give myself to that and pop my head up every few years and see how growth is coming, that's, I think that's the better way for us to look at it yeah. instead of trying to measure growth every 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Also to understand, yeah, some weeks are going to be really hard and some seasons are going to be really hard. And so your disciplines are not what sustain you. The disciplines are opportunities for you to create space and attentiveness to God in your life. Hmm. And gosh, you don't earn anything out of them, but you sure, you sure are able to be present to who God is and get intimacy with him in it. So trying to shift that view to uh, really an invitational view to greater health and vibrancy away from a transactional view of if I do this, then I'm loved, Hmm. uh, which is not the Christianity of the new Testament. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and that's so encouraging. Um, so, when it comes to discipleship, what are some things that churches could improve on? Um, what what and and uh, you know maybe not so negatively, but maybe on the on the flip side, what are some things that churches are actually doing pretty well? Yeah, I I think that there's a great desire to continually preach the word hmm. and to invite people to see who God is. I've been so encouraged uh, as I've talked to the churches over the last five, eight years who are wanting to really kind of formally educate their people in the Bible Mm -hmm. and in theology. Mm -hmm. And in many spaces where that's been thought of, well, that's just for people who want to be in vocational ministry. And I've gotten the joy of sitting with 75 year olds who are going, nobody ever told me that before. And Mm -hmm. I've been in church for 50 years. Yeah. And for them to go, that changes the way I see God. Mm. And for churches that are doing this, that, I mean, part of what we do in the Institute is that we try and make, 
make the Bible accessible to everybody mm-hmm. and kind of tear down the expert amateur divide and invite them into, hey, you can know your Bible. You should know your sacred text firsthand. Yeah. And so the churches that are doing that, of equipping their people to know their Bibles, inviting them to see God as he is, doing theology from above, not below, to use David Wells' term. Uh, gosh, I think those are wonderful things. And the ones that who are considering the whole person. And so it's not just a transfer of information. Christianity is not just a transfer of information. We are people of the book, but the book speaks that we are whole people. Yeah. And so it's we're bringing ourselves and recognizing that. And so when churches are able to recognize how their people are made and wired and encourage them to have health holistically, uh, it changes the way we shepherd. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know on this podcast, we come back to Ephesians 4 over and over and over again. It's just such a foundational text for, for the local church. And mm-hmm. just hearing that, you know, we are called as, as, as pastors, as shepherds, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's right. And, and remember, he says in there that so that you're no longer uh, uh, tossed to and fro mm-hmm. by every wind of doctrine. And so there's a sense in which the regular teaching of the word, not just in the pulpit, uh, certainly that you have the centrality of the pulpit, but the, the ministry of the word as it, as it permeates the local church, um, as, right. it, as it permeates through every relationship, uh, you know, as we are speaking the truth in love, it says we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so there's this sense in which we're 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 helping each other grow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we we've been tossed around uh, like children. He says earlier in 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 that passage. You know, uh, we're we're like little kids. You know, that just believe everything we hear. Uh, and certainly, as a parent, uh, and and having a little bit older kids, at least old enough to you know to to know what YouTube is and 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 things like that. And I, I get this all the time with my teenage kids. They'll come over to me and they'll be like, Dad, Dad, did you hear about, you know, such and such? And I say I ask the same thing every time. Who said that? <laughs> you know, consider the source. You've got to hear this. You, you got to recognize who the, your sources are first before you before you believe things. That's what kids do. Uh, but in the uh, in the local church, in in uh, the cultivating of these of these disciplines, we're helping each other grow up. Uh, you know, to yeah. grow into a, a level of maturity, and the culmination of all of that in verse sixteen, he says uh, that uh, the whole body, when each part is working properly, uh, that um, uh, he says Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself mm-hmm. up in love. And so we want to get to a point, uh, and it and and I, it's almost wrong to say a point, <laughs> you know, because it's not a point, you know, it's a it's right. a life, you know, uh, but but we but we uh, reach a I don't know any other word a point in life <laughs> where 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 we recognize that this is life, you know, this is yeah. what living is you know it's to be in fellowship with the lord it's to it's to be known by him loved by him and to and to enjoy the fellowship of the redeemed as we mm-hmm. extend that love and and uh and 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 fellowship and so on with one another um you know it, it it's a it's a remarkable remarkable thing and i really believe that that's what what you know disciplines are for just as you said it's it's almost to awaken us to that reality uh, that that this is this has been here all along. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. I think we have 
internalized and individualized the disciplines mm-hmm. to the detriment of the impact upon the corporate corporate gathering. Yeah. And so when we say, oh, the spiritual disciplines, that there are some that are personal. There are many that are corporate. And mm-hmm. there are many ways where it's we are formed only by community. Yeah. Like I you you don't know what it is to have someone be patient with you unless you've thrown a tantrum and someone received you with grace and patience. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh, what I was what I just did wasn't awesome. But I was just treated differently. Mm-hmm. And gosh, we we all need that in every area of life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, we actually um, talk about this frequently in our in our church family about singing, and and the uh, the 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 discipline that we have of singing to one another. You know, the yep. regular habit of singing these songs. And there was a song that we sang recently about uh, our Lord, and that he, you know, he, he, the same God who worked back then is the one who works now. It was basically the, mm-hmm. the gist of the, of the song. And there was this moment as we were singing that I just kind of stepped back a little bit. And I was, I was thinking about my own life and, and just, you know, how, you know, the God who, uh, who, who parted the sea, you know, so that Israel would walk on dry ground is the God that I'm calling out to, yeah. you know, to, to provide yeah. for my needs and all that. But then there was something that was really special that happened when I, when I went beyond myself. And I started to think about the different families in our church, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the couple that, that just lost a baby, uh, you know, uh, in, in a miscarriage. And, you know, the same God, you know, who, uh, who raised Jesus from the dead is the God who is near to them, you know, right now as we speak, you know, and yeah. the, the ones who, you know, uh, a guy who just lost his job, you know, and the same God who, who caused water to come, from, come out of a rock twice <laughs> you know is the same god that that will uh, that that is there to take care of their needs and i mean it was just such an overwhelming thing and and i i would just assume i'm, I'm guessing it wasn't because it, we're in allergy season but but i'm but the sniffles and stuff that i that i heard uh-huh. you know uh were were just again a testament to that that we are ministering to one another. That's right. You know, and we're helping each other grow in Christ. And we're singing these songs, not just to our own souls, but we are singing them to your soul because we want you to hear this. This is our God. Trust in him. Uh, you know, he is able to get you through and and um, and he's able to sustain us into eternity. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, there, there are so many folks who come into church, you know, we talk about this before, you know, this kind of consumeristic, you know, what do I get? you know sure. from it and uh it, it it's the wisdom i think of of recognizing um you know what god is doing in the church and what god's doing in each one of us that we realize we have a we have a service you mm-hmm. know to one another uh to help each other become more like jesus yeah and and i wholeheartedly agree with you on singing like if one of the disciplines in the book is be in the corporate gathering and sing yeah and Bonhoeffer talks about life together. He says, when, like, when Christ is weak in me, I need Christ in my brother. Mm-hmm. And I have been in so many, so many Sundays where I have either needed the grace of hearing the saints sing around me, mm-hmm. or I have known I should sing louder for those who can't today. Yeah. And just to encourage their faith and to that we are ministering as we're bringing our gift of worship to the Lord, we're ministering and encouraging those around us with faith. And, uh, yeah, I've had plenty of those allergy sniffles as well in those moments. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. 
So any final words of encouragement for any of our pastors, church leaders uh, that, are, that are listening right now? Gosh, what a, what a uh, wonderful opportunity the Lord's given to pastors, church leaders to care for his people mm-hmm. and to primarily know themselves as one of God's people who is both cared for and gets to care for others. And that the encouragement of becoming a healthy Christian is not, man, I'm killing it. I've got everything. Just it's all nines on their way to 10, but it's, I'm seeing God rightly. I'm seeing myself rightly because I'm defining myself by his terms and reality. And I'm loving those around me. And so that's, that's my encouragement and my hope and prayer is that uh, that's who we would be both to model that for the people that we lead and shepherd, uh, but for also for our homes, for ourselves, for our intimacy with the Lord. And that's why I wrote the book, uh, to be used for individuals, for groups, for churches, uh, to serve as an invitation to joy through becoming a healthy Christian. Hmm. Well, Mason, thank you again for uh, writing such a fantastic resource. Uh, I, I encourage anyone who uh, hasn't picked up a copy of the book to do so today. And, uh, and thank you so much for taking the time to join our discussion. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And I want to thank you, listener, for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, if you found this conversation helpful, why don't you consider leaving us a five-star rating and review? We'd love to hear any feedback that you'd be willing to give. And as always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And so as always, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.